nothing that could separate us from the love we find in your Son, Jesus. And so God, we pray your blessing over the gifts that we share this morning. May they be yours. And God, may you use them to your glory. And God, we pray for this time ahead that you've given us to reflect on your word and on our lives. God, would you illuminate the words of your scripture? Would you remove the shadows from our lives? And and God, would you transform us and change us to be more and more like you? God, we love you and we praise you. We offer ourselves in this time to you, and we all said together, amen. You may be seated. So real quick, before we get started, you have a water bottle on your chair. You're going to need this later in the service, but don't open it up yet unless you're really, really thirsty. And if you're really, really thirsty, open it up, and then there's some extras in the back and a couple extras on seats in front of me. Hey, uh, we are starting a brand new series this morning. This is... uh, you know, it's, it's kind of bittersweet uh, in that this is the last series that I get to share with you all, uh, but it's an important one to me. Uh, I, I think for the last four years, I've told you all when I stand up here to preach that most of the time I'm just preaching myself and hoping that you all get something out of it. Uh, and so this, this series is definitely that. It's called Changes. Uh, my wife, Kelly, who's in the nursery this morning, and I uh, are getting ready for a lot of changes. We as a community are getting ready for some changes. And so because we're anticipating change in our community life and maybe even in our personal lives, I thought it would be a good idea and felt God nudging us to, to talk about characters in the scriptures who have experienced radical transformation and how God has moved through them and spoken through them and changed them and, and changed the world in the process. And so this morning, uh, we're going to begin and we're going to tell the story of a guy named Jacob. Uh, I've got to tell you, this is probably the story that most closely resonates with my heart in the whole of the Bible. Uh, it's found in Genesis 32, uh, verses 22 through 32. Um, I've, I've resonated with this story for, for years. We read this Uh, scripture at my dad's funeral, and uh, it's something that has just touched my life for a very long time. So I would encourage you to follow along with me if you have a Bible with you. If you don't, it's going to be on the wall behind me, and we have Bibles at either door if you'd like to grab one. But again, we're going to be reading from Genesis 32, verses 22 through 32. And here's what the Bible says. Jacob got up during the night, took his two wives his two women servants and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River's shallow water. He took them and everything that belonged to him and he helped them cross the river. But Jacob stayed apart by himself and a man wrestled with him until dawn broke. When the man saw that he couldn't defeat Jacob, he grabbed Jacob's thigh and tore a muscle in Jacob's thigh as he wrestled with him. The man said, let me go, because the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said to him, I I won't let you go unless you bless me. So the man said to Jacob, what's your name? Jacob replied, Jacob. And the man said, your name won't be Jacob any longer but Israel, because you struggled with God and with men and won. Jacob also asked and said, well, well, tell me your name. But the man said, why do you ask for my name? 
And he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel because I've seen God face to face and my life has been saved. The sun rose as Jacob passed Penuel, limping because of his thigh. Therefore, Israelites don't eat the tendon attached to the thigh muscle to this day because he grabbed Jacob's thigh muscle at the tendon. My brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Do you know any Jacobs? Raise your hand if you know somebody named Jacob. Or how about Jake? Any Jakes in the room? So I know more Jakes than I know Jacobs, even though Jakes are probably Jacobs in all likelihood. Uh, I had a good friend when I was in high school uh, named Jake Thies. He played a six-string bass, which made him like, and he was like three years older than me. He was one of the coolest kids around. He had cool spiky hair. Uh, Jake Thies was awesome. Uh, I know a guy named Jake Yoder. Uh, Some of you know Sarah Acid that goes to our church, who graduated from JMU yesterday. Big props to her, so she's marrying Jake, and I'm doing their wedding in like two weeks, and it's going to be really exciting. The Jake that I'm most, like I remember Jake Thies, and I know Jake Yoder, but when I think of the name Jake, you know who I really, really think of? Uh, Jake from State Farm. (laughs) Who else, right? You know the commercial, right, where the guy's on the phone getting the insurance quote at night, and uh, and he's like, yeah, I'm on the phone with Jake from State Farm, and his wife's like, what are you wearing? And he's like, uh, khakis, right? Like, you know, you know the commercial, right? Jake from State Farm. It's fitting that Jake from State Farm is who I might relate to when we think about Jacob from the book of Genesis, because you know who Jake from State Farm really is? <laughs> he's an actor. That's not his, that guy's actual name isn't Jake. It's probably like Steve or Paul or Umberto or something like that. Like his, he's just playing a part. He's playing a role to try and convince us to buy something, to try and convince us to do something that maybe we wouldn't otherwise do. That is the story of Jacob's entire existence up to this point. Jacob is born into this family. He's He's got this amazing life that's gifted to him, except the life that he's been gifted isn't ever enough. And so he disguises himself. He disguises himself on a couple of different occasions. The the first time he disguises himself to be able to trick his father Laban into giving him a blessing that really belongs to his older brother Esau. And then he deceives Esau to to escape from Esau and and run away from him. And so when we catch up to this part of the story, Jacob is on the run. He's on the run because he's made everybody in his life mad at him. And he's on the run from who he really is. And so as he and his family, notice sometimes when we deceive ourselves or when we participate in sort of the the other spaces like that knows he has his whole family with him it's usually not just us that are impacted when we do that sort of thing so he has his whole family with him they cross this river i think about like does anybody ever, any of you ever play the oregon trail game uh it felt like he's like fording the river and we're going to find out if they make it or not right so so they make it and so jacob sends the rest of his family on and and then he starts this wrestling now all the bible tells us is that he's wrestling a man some theologians will say, well, he's wrestling God, and, and some people will say, well, he's wrestling an angel. There are even some contemporary theologians that say he's really just wrestling a version of himself. But all we know is that Jacob is wrestling. We don't know who he's wrestling, but we sure as heck know what he is wrestling for. He's wrestling for control, 
for control of himself, for control of his life, for control over who he was born to be. And all he can do in wrestling this being, this man, this whoever, is hold on for dear life. So at your seats, you have these water bottles. Water bottles, you know, this is 16.9 ounces. Anybody have any guesses about how heavy this water bottle is? Go ahead and pick it up wherever you are. You've, you've got a water bottle near you. Anybody, what do you think? Maybe two pounds? Is that too much? Eight pounds a gallon. Eight pounds a gallon. All right. That's a lot of math for me to do right here. <laughs> um, let's just say it's not like you, won't, you aren't going to see world's strongest man just doing like power lifts with uh, bottles of water, right? It's not... It's not that heavy, and it's not that, you know, it's not that big. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Everybody has the water bottle? Let me see your water bottles. Everybody got them? With your hands stretched out like this, I want you to get as tight of a grip as you possibly can on this water bottle and keep your hand out. Just do that, okay? All right, and everybody stay just like this, and I'm going to keep preaching, okay? Oh, yeah, see, it's just, it's light. There's nothing to it. So as Jacob and this being begin to wrestle, it's a really intense fight. The being has to end up tearing Jacob's thigh just to get him to release. And even then, he doesn't do it. Remember, like, Jacob is in the fight of his life, and all of this is about trying to get some sense of control. And so they wrestle and wrestle, and finally, the being reaches out to Jacob, and he asks them this question. Anybody catch what that question was by chance? He says, it's, it's very simple. What, yeah, what's your name? What's your name? How are we doing with the bottles, by the way? Everybody good? Keep holding them out. <laughs> Keep gripping as hard as you can. What's your name? You see, at this time, <laughs> this is not like, this event did not happen yesterday. It happened a long, long time ago. And, and your name told a story. Like, I can tell you my name, Jonathan, means gift of God. My parents named me that because they struggled to have kids for a very, very long time. And that name felt appropriate to them to, to give me. And I try to live into it every day. I'm just God's gift to the world, right? <laughs> Our names sometimes have a little bit of a meaning, but back in this time, your name told your life story. Your name spoke everything about who you are and who you were born to be. So when this being asked Jacob for his name, He's really asking Jacob, what's your story? Who are you? Who were you born to be? And so when Jacob says his name, remember, he doesn't say, my name is Laban, my name is Esau, my name is Doug. He doesn't even say, my name is Jake from State Farm, right? He just says, Jacob. Keep your, keep your arms out. We're, we're doing good. I promise. You're doing great. When he responds with his name, he's telling the truth for one of the first times in his whole story. Finally, at last, he is laying down his masks and his attempts to be something and someone he is not. And he's saying, this is who I am. Finally, at last, he's letting go. So let go. <laughs> I, hear, I heard, thank God. <laughs> so... <laughs> How did those water bottles feel? How did that go for you? Did anybody feel like warm and snuggly in that moment? Like, ooh, this is so comfortable. How many of you, how many of you are having trouble like lifting your arm up that you did that with? How many of you felt pain when you did that? 
How many of you felt like you couldn't listen to anything else that was being said because you were so focused on doing that? Okay, so here's the thing, friends. This bottle of water, it's a couple pounds, and that was a couple minutes. But the reality of Jacob's story and the reality of our story is that water bottles aren't that much to hold on to. They're not that heavy and they're not that big. But when we keep a white-knuckle grip on a water bottle or on the things and people of our lives, they become cumbersome. They become all we can think about. And rather than being a blessing, they become a burden. You see, Jacob, in letting go, is not just letting go of a water bottle. He's letting go of his need to control You see, his life is still in his care. If I just told you, hey, can you make sure that this water bottle gets out to your car later today? Would you feel the need to say like, okay, I got to hold on with all my grip, with all my might to make sure that this water bottle gets to my car when I leave here? Is that how you'd react? Probably not. You'd probably look at it every once in a while and you'd you'd see that it's there and, and maybe you'd even put it in your hands from time to time. But what the danger of our lives, my friends, is that when we feel like we need to be in charge of something, when we feel like we need to have it all together, we're white-knuckling people. We tend to hold on, keep things in our grasp, keep our own stories, our own identities so firmly in our grasp that nothing could ever touch them, but that we couldn't touch anything else. You see, when Jacob is holding on to this water, when he's holding on to the water of his life, what he's really doing is trying to control what God is meant to do. And it never was Jacob's job in the first place. It was always God's job. When he answers the question, what's your name, with an honest answer, he, let, he lets go and he finally lets God do what God needs to do. It's in that moment of honesty that Jacob experiences this change and transformation that he's been born for his whole life. What the man tells Jacob is that your name will no longer be Jacob. What will it be? Israel. Have you ever heard of Israel before? It's a nation. (laughs) Jacob becomes the father of a nation, but he doesn't live into the fullness of his identity until he lets go of who he's trying to be and gives it up so that God can finally make him who he was born to be. I love, there's a, a, an Eastern saying, this is not a, a specifically Christian saying, this is from Eastern philosophy, but I think it's got such wisdom for us today. Here's what it says. When I let go of what I am, I become what I might be. When I let go of what I have, I receive what I need. My friends, we are all in the process of becoming. Because we are breathing and because God is moving, we are not done yet. God is not done with any of us as individuals and God is most certainly not done with our church. God invites us onto the mat you see, what Jacob, how Jacob comes to this release of control is not this sort of passive, like, okay, I guess I'm done with this kind of thing. He wrestles for it. He's honest with God. He, he gets on the mat of life and has it out. But it's at the end of that wrestling, at the end of that fighting, at the end of that struggle that Jacob finally lets go. 
And my friends, that is my encouragement to you and to us today is to say that whether you're wrestling with God or yourself with with people or situations that you're closest to, first off, get on the mat because God can handle that fight and because God is there. But as you wrestle, be willing to let go. To let go of the masks that you've been wearing to hide who you really are. To let go of your need to have total control over the smallest places and people in your life. And to discover that just as God has a bigger vision for Jacob and for his life, so too does God have a bigger vision for your life and the life of Fieldstone. God is changing us. God is changing you. Can you feel it? Can you sense it? As you feel that and as you sense that, here's my invitation to you. First off, be honest. Be truthful to who you are. God can take your honesty. Believe me, I can testify that. God can take your honesty. Be honest. Be present. Show up in the places and spaces that God is calling you to be. And then let go. Know that your job is not to have such control over everything in your life that it causes you pain and that it causes you to be unable to focus on anything else. Let go and allow God to take what God needs to take from you. And know that this is the first step in seeing meaningful change in you, your family, and your church. God's changing his friends. Maybe it's just one water bottle at a time. But the way God changes and the way God loves is incredible. It's awesome. And it's yours. So receive it and believe it. We pray this in the name of God the Father Almighty. And we all said, Amen. This morning we're going to share in Holy Communion because we believe that the ways that God shows up sometimes are more than just theories. I think the way God shows up tends to be very, very real and very, very tangible. And what could be a more real and tangible sign of God's grace than the gift of bread and juice that God offers us? A simple thing that's a beautiful thing and a reminder that we are loved now and always. As we prepare to receive this gift, I want to offer us a time just to, to quietly reflect uh, and to pray. Specifically, I want to invite you to confess in this time. Maybe the confession is about places where you've fallen short, but I think the confession that I know I'm going to be saying is the places where I'm holding on too tight. The places where I've been trying to, to hold on to control over every little piece of myself and saying, God, I confess that I've been holding on to this. Would you take it from me? Whatever your confession is, let's go to God as we silently pray. My friends, here's some great news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. So in the name of Jesus Christ, you and me, us, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. God is here, and God is with us. God's been showing up today, but a long time before today, too. 
God's been present from the beginning of it all, from the creation of the heavens and the earth. God's looked at and seen that it was good. God looks at us and sees that even in the moments where our love fails and we stray, that God has created us to be a reflection of God's image and that God sees goodness in all of us, and so we give God thanks. We remember that a long time ago, Jesus, uh, God sent his son named Jesus to be born of a virgin, to minister and to heal, to suffer and to die, but to live forevermore so that we might know life to the fullest, and so we give God thanks. And we remember that the Holy Spirit birthed a thing called church a couple thousand years ago, birthed a thing called Fieldstone 18 years ago, and birthed each of us, within each of us, the opportunity to gather together, to be community, to be the hands and feet of Christ for one another and for the world. And so we give God thanks. And we remember that on a night a long time ago, Jesus was sharing a meal with some friends. And at that meal, he took some bread and he thanked God for it and he gave it to his friends and he said, take and eat all of you. This is my body that's given for you. Do this as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. So Jesus and his friends shared that meal together and as the meal was coming to a close, Jesus took some wine and he thanked God for it and he gave it to his friends and he said, take and eat all, or take and drink all of you. You can't eat juice. Take and drink all of you. This is my blood, which is given for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, my friends, we come together to remember. To remember that God has been at work for an awfully long time in this world, that God has been at work in our lives for an awfully long time too. And to pray that God would continue to work, continue to wiggle the grip off of us. Continue to show us that we are changed and that we are loved. And so we pray that God's Holy Spirit would pour out over all of us who are gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. May they be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, God, make us one with you, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until you come at last and we feast at your heavenly banquet table. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, together with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, All honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. So normally, this is a time where we say the Lord's Prayer. Instead of saying the Lord's Prayer this morning, we're going to sing it. But we're going to sing it as we receive communion. So you're going to hear the song that we're going to sing is called Your Love is Strong, and you're going to hear threads of the Lord's Prayer within it. So I encourage you as we come forward to receive communion this morning, sing as you receive, because this is the song that God has given to us and to our hearts. So with that in mind, I need to ask if there would be some people that would be willing to come help serve communion this morning. Uh, I think we would need six helpers, so if you would be willing to come help serve, come on up. We could use anybody, really. Uh, So as those six people come on up, uh, what we're going to do is have three stations up here at the front. There will be two on either side here, and in the center, there will be gluten-free communion for anybody that would need or require something like that. Uh, know that you're invited to come to this table. This isn't a place for a bunch of rules and a bunch of check boxes that say you have to have done all these different things. This is just a space for grace, a space where God shows up and, and offers God's love to us no matter what. So in a moment, we're going to get set up, and then you're going to be invited to come as you were able. we prepare to receive, remember, the body of Christ is broken 
so that we might be made whole. And the blood of Christ is poured out so that we might get a taste of what love can be.